You're listening to the On the NBA Beat Podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts, while the Lakers have two. Your hosts, Lauren Lee Chen and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fisher. Wow, iTunes has still not canceled our show, the On the NBA Beat podcast. We had the pleasure of being joined by Alex Kennedy on Wednesday for the interview edition of, of our weekly show. Today's show will be our very first banter edition, and uh, we have different segments named after each of the co-hosts. So we'll start with the A.A. Ron segment. I know you guys will get that reference. If you don't, I'm very disappointed. So, Lauren, are you here? Josh, you here? Present. Great. So then we'll get going, starting with the Golden State Warriors, who apparently lucked their way into a title. If you ask Doc Rivers, his quote, you need luck in the West. Look at Golden State. They didn't have to play us or the Spurs. Now, the Warriors were historically good, as Alex Kennedy makes a point in his piece um, with Draymond Green uh, being interviewed and, and um, on the podcast. But um, I'm wondering, Lauren, just to start with you, do you think that Doc Rivers' quote is overblown, or do the Warriors have a reason to feel disrespected? I would feel disrespected if I were the Warriors. They had one of the most dominant seasons in NBA history, 10.1 points, uh, margin of victory, first in D rating, second in O rating. I believe they went into the postseason as heavy favorites, and they delivered on that. Joshua, Doc Rivers' quote, was that overblown? You do need luck, don't you, in, in a conference like the West? Yeah, I think I think Doc Rivers' quote was definitely overblown. I believe that you need luck in, to succeed at anything in life. Teams in pro sports, people to become successful in general. I, and I think the Warriors were, in fact, lucky. They were his, historically good. I absolutely believe that. Last season, Golden State was one of the best teams in NBA history, no doubt. But I think they would have had a much tougher time had they faced a healthy Cavaliers team in the finals or even the, the Spurs or Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. I think they beat which whatever team they play, but I think it, it, there would have been more games that they would have had to win, and I think that they, they did have some luck. Yeah, there won't be any asterisk on it, but um, I think that those are all valid points. But also, and I don't want to get you wrong, you're not arguing that if um, the Spurs and Clippers didn't play each other or if, if Cleveland wasn't injured, that um, the Warriors wouldn't have won the title, correct? I actually think that the, the Warriors would have won no matter what. They, they were just so dominant, and they were the best team last season, well-coached. I'm not saying that. I, I yeah. just think that they did have um, benefit from luck. Yeah, and either way, they're going to be back with a vengeance, and there won't be any asterisk on that title. But we did also ask Alex about the disparity between the two conferences. And so in appreciation of that, let's talk about the top of the Western Conference, or at least what most analysts are expecting the 
top of the conference to look like. We have the San Antonio Spurs, who added LaMarcus Aldridge and David West. The Los Angeles Clippers, who added Paul Pierce, Lance Stevenson, Josh Smith, Pablo Prigioni, etc. Houston Rockets, they got Ty Lawson. The Oklahoma City Thunder, they have two bona fide superstars. And a brand new head coach in Billy Donovan. So, Joshua, just starting with you, which of those four do you think has the best chance to, to stand atop the West alongside the Warriors? Let me preface my answer by saying all of these teams are going to be very good should they stay relatively healthy. Um, the Grizzlies are also going to be good in the West, too. But um, my team, I, I would say the Clippers. If, if all goes right, this team could, could win the championship this season. They're stacked from top to bottom. Last season, the, their starters played by far the most minutes of any team in the league. Their bench was was awful. Now they have a, a bench that looks like it could be really good. And they have Doc Rivers coaching them. I'd say the Clippers have the best shot of those teams. Yeah, they definitely have a formidable bench. And um, Blake Griffin was asked this offseason. And he didn't want to say it was quite the best team that they've had in L.A. Because they did have Eric Bledsoe and Nick Young off the bench. He should say it, though. On what was a great team. But yeah, it's it's possible that it is. For me, I think the Clippers and Spurs are up there. I would say the Spurs a little bit ahead of them. David West's signing is very underrated. I think you put him with Greg Popovich, LaMarcus Aldridge, and that veteran team that's counted out every year, but somehow seemingly delivers year in and year out. So um, I think the Spurs and Warriors are 1A and 1B, and it's interchangeable. And then you have the Clippers at 3 with the Rockets and Thunders, and to a lesser extent, the Grizzlies slightly behind. But Lauren, I want to get your sense on on the Houston Rockets and how they look coming into the season. I think they're getting a lot less attention than San Antonio and, and Los Angeles. Yeah, I don't want to make this a, uh, a meme for me, but I think the Rockets are being overlooked by a lot of people. They ended last season as second in the West, uh, breaking a tie break between them, the Spurs, and the Clippers. And that was without a healthy Dwight Howard for much of the season. Now with the addition of Ty Lawson, I think their offense is going to be on another level. And they still have a strong bench, and James Harden is one of the best players in the league. Just going to the Clippers now, specifically Jamal Crawford and his fit or lack thereof with the Clippers, he's been on their team now for three or four years, and he, I think three, and um, he's just been a great sixth man. But the Clippers were trying to trade him. They added Lance Stevenson. There's a seemingly, um, it seemingly looks like a logjam, possibly in the backcourt off the bench. It could be a good problem to have. Joshua, what do you think of that? Could there be difficulty on the horizon for Jamal Crawford fitting into that roster? There definitely could be, Aaron. I think it's a the moves the Clippers made bolstering their bench are very high risk, high reward. Whenever you bring in guys like Lance Stevenson and Josh Smith, who are known for for let's just say being sensitive, um, they're fiery. When they're not happy, everyone knows it. And it could be disastrous. At the same time, those guys are so talented. Each and every one of the guys that that are are part of that bench now could place significant um, time anywhere else, pretty much. And um, if you can find a way for them to not fight over the ball, 
the Clippers could be a, a very strong team with those guys coming off the bench. Lauren, expand on that for a second. Why is having all those guys off the bench potentially a good problem to have for the Clippers? Well, the Clippers had one of the worst benches in the league last season. Yes. Um, and it really put a huge burden on their starters, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. And I think you could tell by the time that the playoffs rolled around. I'm not saying that without that heavy responsibility during the res- regular season that things would have been different, but I think it does make a difference. And now with a very strong bench, like some of that pressure is off of those uh, main guys. Yeah, shooters get cold, but even like a guy like J.J. Redick was playing monstrous minutes, and um, the last couple of games he couldn't buy an open three to save his life, and, and it wasn't his fault. He, he was running to the ground. They didn't have the supporting cast. Now they have Paul Pierce and, um, and other guys that came in. They can help alleviate the pressure. And Blake Griffin, he, if he plays 40 minutes a night or 42, how he plays his his high intensity game, which he can never turn off. It's like that's like playing a full 48 minute game for some players. So it definitely will take some of the pressure off those guys. We also talked to Alex about coaches on the hot seat who might uh, be on the hottest seat, shall we say? And he went with Steve Clifford. Lance Stevenson's coach last year with the Charlotte Hornets. I'm going to go with George Carl of the Sacramento Kings. Their owner of Vivek Ranadive and just their front office haven't really given recent head coaches like Mike Malone or Tyrone Corbin very much time. They haven't been patient. And and so I think there could be a, a quick firing if their defense isn't, isn't guarding anyone. I mean, if they're putting up 105 points a game, but they can't defend. They're not going to make the playoffs. And I think that after nine years of not making the playoffs, that fan base and that that group is very impatient. And even though George Carl definitely has his strengths as a coach, I think he could be gone pretty quickly. Joshua, who, you're going with Byron Scott of the Lakers? Yes. I think the Lakers brass over the last few seasons has not been very patient at all with coach head coaches. They had a very quick trigger on Mike Brown. Mike yeah. D'Antoni didn't last very long. And, and he was Kobe Bryant's favorite player, so probably would have been shorter. <laughs> and he was. That's true. And Byron Scott last season, I wasn't sure that he would last long. Most basketball insiders were predicting his firing. He's still around. I think expectations were very low for the Lakers last year. But to your point, they're raising this year. I think that there's an expectation among some around that team that they can make the playoffs, right? So if they don't, what happens? I don't expect them to get to get anywhere close to the playoffs in the in the rich West, and I think he will be fired. Lauren, you went with Scott Skiles for your coach on the hot seat? Yeah, I think the Scott Skiles hiring is one that could either be really good or really bad for the young Orlando Magic. Scott Skiles has a reputation for being a guy who likes to yell and ride his guys hard. And either that can help those players develop or um, there's a history of teams quitting on him. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but uh, that's definitely a possibility. Yeah, it's a valid point. His starting point guard, Alfred Payton, was highlighted by Alex Kennedy as one of his young players primed to break out 
And um, Alex loved the fit with head coach Scott Skiles. Joshua, what do you think of um, Alfred Payton and his potential to improve even more in that sophomore season? Alfred Payton is really good. He's got great floor vision, a great passer. He rebounds well. He's a triple-double threat pretty much any time he goes out there. He can't shoot. He's got to become better at shooting. His free throw percentage was, was around 55%, I believe, last season. It was 55, uh, that's correct. At a Clippers game, home game, I saw him airball two consecutive free throws. So a little bit of the Rondo um, syndrome there, but he only spent one year in college. He's a 19-year-old kid, so I think we'll give him a little bit of a break. It, his free throw shooting got so bad near the end of the season that the Celtics actually beat the Magic by intentionally fouling him <laughs> in the last few minutes of the game. Yeah. And he was just clanging free throws, and, and Boston was able to come back and win. Yeah. He's got to get better from there. Yeah, that's a great point. He um, took also point five threes per game, which is too much for a guy like him on a roster that's actually really gifted offensively. Yeah. Before we move on, Lauren, did you want to add anything about Alfred, Alfred Payton? I think he... Is a guy that can rack up a lot of assists this year. Uh, Aaron Gordon's improving. He has Nikola Vucevic next to him. And Oladipo. Oladipo. Maybe Mario Hazonia. Yeah. And Scott Skiles is a coach that, if they work well together, can bring that out as a. Yeah. Uh, Utah Jazz, we talked about with Alex Kennedy. And he was making a lot of Dante Exum's. Um, injury for the season, the ACL tear. That uh, that would really. He was saying that that would impact Utah significantly, and I don't think we really talked about Rudy Gobert much. I think he's very important to the team. Lauren, can you talk about why Rudy Gobert impacted their improvement so much last year, and also assess the level um, of importance that Dante Exum's loss will have on the Jazz, if any at all. The Adante exam injury was... I've gone back and forth on how I think it'll impact the Jazz's prospects this season. It was definitely a surprising thing, him getting hurt, playing in the summer for his international team. And the Jazz do play a different style of office with, offense with Trey Burke running the show instead of Exum. Uh, Trey Burke likes to shoot a little bit more. Dante Exum usually just lets Hayward and Favors do their thing. As but, well he should, probably. Yeah, I. but this team at its heart is a defensive team, and that is mostly owed to Rudy Gobert. Joshua, can you show the Stifle Tower some love here before we close out? He's a beast. He has the potential to be the best defensive player in the NBA this season. He might have been he the best have, last season, believe it or not. He didn't average enough minutes per game because he didn't start playing a lot until the, the later part of the season. But um, per minute, his, his statistics were just amazing. Rudy, Rudy Gobert is, is clearly the, the biggest key to the Jazz, Jazz's success this season. Um, Gordon Hayward and Derek Favors are also really important. I think Dante Axum could be a good player. I just don't think he's really shown much yet. And I don't see a, a significant drop-off having Trey Brooks start. He just should shoot a lot less than he has been. 
because he's not the star that anyone expected him to be, at least not yet. Okay, fair enough. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll be right back with more show after this catchy Creative Commons acquired song. That was the A.A. Ron Block. Let me welcome you into the conference room of LLC Incorporated. In the first segment, we talked a lot about the elite teams, and now let's switch over to the other side of the spectrum. Last year, we saw the Milwaukee Bucks transform from the worst team in the NBA to a playoff team in the East. Josh, do you think any team has a capability to make a similar jump in the coming season? I wouldn't say similar. I don't anticipate any of the the worst teams from last season jumping into the playoffs this season. But I do think the Orlando Magic has the have the potential of being way better. Um, they have a new coach, Scott Skiles, that that we talked about earlier, who's known for his defense, and that's going to be a, a key area for them to improve upon. After Jock Vaughn was fired last season. The Magic's defense actually improved significantly under interim coach James Borrega, um, and we should see um, continued improvement on that front. Their offense also boasts a ton of promising talents, and they drafted Mario Hazonia as well. So they're, they're a team to look out for. Another team I have getting way better are the Sacramento Kings. They made a splash in free agency they got Rajon Rondo, Karan Butler, Marco Bellinelli, and they drafted Willie Cauley-Stein, who could really help out on defense. And that's another team where defense is going to be the, the key question mark. Aaron, do you think any of those basement teams has the right collection of young players and assets to make a move in this season or in the near future? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. First, I want to agree with Joshua on the Orlando Magic and the Sacramento Kings. I want to add to that mix the Minnesota Timberwolves, but not for this upcoming season. For the in the next two to four years, I would say, maybe maybe sooner, probably like in within the next three years, because Andrew Wiggins is already there. He um, had a terrific rookie season. Zach Levine keeps getting better. They just drafted the number one overall pick in Carl Anthony Towns who a lot of people are very high on for very good reason. So I think, and then uh, if Ricky Rubio is able to stay healthy for once, I, I think that they could really put it together over the coming um, three years or so. But um, in the here and now, I think the Kings are looking really impressive and Orlando in terms of improving. I don't think the Sacramento Kings end up making the playoffs because they're going to have defensive issues and the West is awfully deep, as we've alluded to again and again. So I think that they're somewhere in the 9 to 11 range. But I, I like their additions. I don't think Karan Butler ends up playing that much for them. And I don't know how well Rajon Rondo necessarily fits into that roster. He, I think he helps in some regards. But there's just a lot of potential personality clashes on that roster as well. With or the Orlando Magic, the slew of offensive players they have, they could be really strong. They just need to defend. That's been an issue with them. And just to correct something I said in the first segment, 
uh, Alfred Payton turned 21 at the end of his rookie season. And so he's no longer um, in his teens and he wasn't, he, he was 20 when he was drafted now 21, but still a youngster with so much promise. And so Orlando will definitely improve significantly as well. You both touched upon the Sacramento Kings and how they were largely, their base was built largely in free agency and via trades. Another direction to, a team has gone is the 76ers who seem to be building largely via the draft. Aaron, what's your opinion on how Sam Hinkie is uh, running this team? It's bold and it's revolutionary. I like it. It's entertaining. I can see how 76ers fans could grow impatient at um, just what the product is on the floor these last seasons. Um, it, it must be frustrating but if you're able to step back and see his vision, which may or may not be crazy, but um, at least it's bold. You got to respect that because not a high percentage of lottery, high lottery picks end up being the superstars that the executives who drafted them thought they were destined to be. So if you can accumulate and stockpile these high level draft picks, if a good number of them end up panning out, then you have the stars that you need going forward. Certain markets like Philadelphia, it's hard for them to draw a high-level free agent at this stage. So you kind of have to start over, scrap everything, and and move forward and be bold. But um, their fans and their ownership will be impatient eventually. So if the experiment doesn't work, Sam Hickey, Hinkie will be out of a job in due time. But um, I respect the hell out of what he's trying to do. Will it work? That's another story. Josh, if you were a fan of the Sixers, how would you be feeling right now? If I was a Sixers fan, I would not be feeling very, very hopeful about the future. I think they're going to be really bad again this season. They might be fun to watch. Jaleel Okafor, a promising rookie. Nerlens Noel, a second-year guy who was amazing on defense last season. He, his offensive game is coming around, too. Um, they have Isaiah Cannon, who's who's a flashy, fun player. They're not going to be good this year, and they may never be good under um, Sam Hinkie. I, I just don't see how um, going after all these good big guys and just drafting who they think is the best available player makes any sense unless they're actually going to trade these guys and get some guards. I, I just don't think this, this experiment works. But it's it's fun and revolutionary, and we've definitely never seen anything like it before. I just wanted to add a clarification. That I think it's important that Sam Sankey, <laughs> Sam Hinkey, excuse me, that he settles on um, a core group of young players to move forward with. Like what we saw with Michael Carter-Williams, that can't keep continuing to happen. It's okay if you swing and miss on a guy here or there. That's why you stockpile these high draft picks. But at some point, and better sooner than later, you need to settle on a core group of guys that you'll move forward with so that they're able to be in your system for three years and develop and play alongside each other and learn the system, learn Brett Brown's um, system and approach, and then move forward with it. You can't just keep adding a hodgepodge of new guys and expect something to click. If that's what Hinky continues to do, it's just not going to work. But I think I have faith in him. I think he has a vision, and I hope he's um, given the time to execute it. But it could take a while. Yeah, I agree with everything both of you said. Sam Hinkie's stockpiled a ton of assets between young players, 
future draft picks and contracts, but at some point he's going to have to put a team on the court, and hopefully that'll be sooner than later. All right, we'll be right back with the J-Spot after another short musical break. back, relax, and ease into the J-spot. I'm Ashley Madison. Have you had a little rough patch with your first love? Maybe they just don't deliver the excitement you need anymore. Feel the rush of a new relationship with the Atlanta Hawks' flex plan. Ten nights of pure, unadulterated excitement. And don't worry, your old team never has to know. Listeners, if you're still listening, I have not gone mad. I was just reading from a wacky Atlanta Hawks off-season promotional campaign that the franchise claims has been successful. If you were going to cheat on your favorite NBA team this season, with which sexy squad would it be? First, Aaron. I like that question. I like the promotion. First of all, I'm a faithful person. I'm not advocating that anyone cheat on their partner or team. But if I had to pick a team, I'm going to go with the Raptors. If you're going to have an affair, just why not go big, go all out and um, go to Canada. That's, that's pretty sexy. Go to Canada. Go up north. And um, Drake is affiliated with the team, so they're hotter than ever. Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan slinging it up there. You got Corey Joseph and Anthony Bennett coming home back to Canada. So I'm in. Uh, just don't tell anyone. Don't tell the Clippers that I'm doing this. I will not. Lauren? I'm going to be honest here. I cheat on my team a lot. And this season... <laughs> I think the uh, side team's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo nice. put on 20 pounds of muscle this year, I hear. Beast. Everyone on their team's long. They, they re-signed Chris Middleton. I just think the sky's is, is a limit for the players on the Bucks and the team. So just to ask for clarification, when you do cheat on, on your team, you like to go with long teams? Length is always a factor. <laughs> okay, Lauren. I love the passion with which you speak of that. So now I just want to close with just the genesis of the podcast a little bit. It's been a whirlwind, very exciting. We definitely have to thank a lot of people, obviously all of our early supporters. Lauren, your sister, Pamela Chen, just did amazing stuff with the artwork. We gave her a broad framework, and she really ran with it. Jonathan Santiago, excellent intro that he did for us. It gets me pumped every time. And I know I'm biased because I'm one of the co-hosts, but I love that intro. It gets us juice. <laughs> it, it gives us some juice too. Yeah. It, um, Ray Moraldi and James Ham have been helpful. Just answering all my questions, some ridiculous, some not. And um, Lauren, you even had to change your, your old faithful Twitter handle. Didn't you? You're not your handle. Your that went by the wayside, I think a few years ago, but you changed your avatar picture, right? Yeah, I've had the same Twitter avatar since 2008. And if I were to change it for anything, it would be this. Yeah. That means a lot. That means a lot to us. It, um, it, that was an institution, that picture. But you'll always be the real LLC to us. And, um, and we love that, that you 
change your picture for the podcast. And, and it's an exciting start, definitely. We're on iTunes, and, and you can um, subscribe for free. And I'd encourage you all to do that. We'd be honored. And that's about it from my standpoint. Does anyone else have anything to add before we close out our second show? That's all. Just subscribe on iTunes. If you like us, leave a review. I want to thank everyone for their support. It means a lot to me. And I'm having a lot of fun so far. And I can't wait for it to continue. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And we don't mind if you cheat on us with other podcasts. As long as you come back to us at night, we'll be grateful forever. Or any time of the day, for that matter. We're around whenever. Um, and look out for us twice a week. We have the interview show and the banter show with those three segments. Aaron LLC Incorporated and the J-Spot. See you next time.